she'd be over there, but she's back in Austin with our grandson. So I just ask you to keep the, uh, my, my daughter and her husband and our grandson in your prayers. He just needs to gain weight a little bit more quickly than he's gaining weight. And I know God's timing is perfect, so I'm not, not worried about it. Uh, but, you know, when, when, when the daughter calls on Monday and says, Mommy, I need you. Mommy says, okay, I'll be there in three and a half hours. And that's how long it takes to get from our house to their house. And it's kind of funny because, well, honey, I'll drive you. She said, well, I've got to do it myself eventually. I thought, oh, boy, she's, I'm not going to tell you her age, but she, we've been married 44 years, and pretty much we've, everywhere we've ever gone, we've gone together, and I've always pretty much the driver, you know, unless it's just a little in-between space where I feel like, you know, it's going to be a nice straight run <laughs> and let her drive. And, uh, but then I, I knew that we prayed and uh, put in her GPS how to get to the house, and she's been there enough times she pretty much knew. But, you know, when you're riding, you don't really pay as much attention to directions as when you're driving. And so I got all that set, and she checked in at Lano, and that's cool. And then she checked in. Honey, I made it. I made it to Tressie's house. And I thought, I texted my daughter, said, your mommy is all grown up. <laughs> she drove all the way to Austin by herself. But I knew she would do good because she is a very safe driver. I know that because she's ridden beside me all my life. <laughs> she can spot a semi coming way down there like, uh, I don't, you're not going to pass that semi, uh-uh. You know, and so uh, you're right, honey. We're not going to try to pass him until... There's two lanes on this side and two lanes on that side, and I can see about three miles. <laughs> Any guys know what I'm talking about? Your wife is a safe driver, and you know it? Okay. So, hi, honey. Y'all can wave at Mary Lou. She's probably watching on live stream. I hope she is, and I'll talk with her afterwards. FaceTime is awesome. Uh, how many of you ever done, have done FaceTime with your grandkids or your, your kids? It's so cool. Uh, it's not as good as this kind of FaceTime because this is the real FaceTime. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a subject, uh, it's called real faith or counterfeit, counterfeit faith. Real faith or counterfeit faith, real, the real deal or the fake deal. Now, if I had a $100 bill up here and I said, would you like this $100 bill or would you like this counterfeit $100 bill, which one would you want? The real one, wouldn't you? Uh, if I said, would you rather have a real Rolex watch or would you like to have a fake Rolex watch, which one would you rather have? A real one, because a real one, they, they're about 10 grand. I remember the first time I went to New York City back in the, in the 90s. We went, our daughter was in school. We got to go to New York. And we went to New York, and I couldn't wait because I'd always heard you can get knockoffs there. How many of you know what knockoffs are? They're not the real thing. If you think you've got a, if you find the guy that his trunk's up, and he's selling purses out of his trunk, and he tells you this is the real thing, this is the real Dunianberg or whatever, I promise you, if it's 20 bucks, it ain't the real deal. But I wanted a fake Rolex. I just thought it'd be kind of cool to give away Rolexes to some of my friends. And uh, so I was told, you know, they're about $20. So I found a place near Wall Street with this guy like, you want to buy a watch? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> so you got any Rolexes? Yeah, does it, does it, is it spelled Rolex or is it spelled Rolodex? You know, and I says, it's Rolex. And, and they try to imitate it. It really looks pretty. And, it, and the guy told me, he said, you know how you can spot a fake Rolex from a real one? And I said, no. He said, if it's a fake Rolex, the second hand will go like this. You know, or this way. Yeah. Because they're quartz. They're, made, they're battery operated. And he's, but the real Rolex are, are movement. They're Swiss movement. They just really move smooth. So I, the first thought I'm looking at, well, I couldn't afford one that went smooth anyway. 
So I bought like four of those watches, and I gave them away. And I'm sure those guys are guarding those with their lives, those $20 Rolexes, which probably have tarnished and turned and quit working many, many years ago. But the real deal is, and listen, we always want the real, don't we? Or the new. Don't you want the? If you had a choice, if you could have a new car or a used car, which would you choose? New. And then you drive it around the block and it becomes used, right? It might have the new car smell, but it's still used. But if you have the choice, I remember when I was a kid growing up, my, we didn't have a whole lot of money. We didn't, we didn't have a lot, you know, really nice clothes. We had decent clothes. But I had a cousin that wore nice clothes. And he was older than me. He was about two years older than me. And guess what I would get from him? His hand-me-downs, secondhand. I really liked them because they were cool. But if I would have had a choice, if I could have the new version versus the used one that my cousin had worn, I'd take the new. So here's what I want to I challenge you with today is, are you walking in a new, genuine, first-hand account faith with God, or is your second-hand faith? Is it a counterfeit faith? Because I know if, you're, if you have a real, genuine encounter with God, there will be real, genuine change in your life. If there just will be. It cannot happen any other way. If Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, comes in to live in your life and invade your life and, and pushes out all the other, listen, you, there will be a change. There will be a true change in your life. So today in Acts chapter 19, we're going to look at the authentic. Then we're going to look at the counterfeit, and we're going to see the results of, of walking in each one of them. So turn to Acts chapter 19, and if we want to find the real authentic Christian in the Bible, I'm telling you one guy that you can go to is the Apostle Paul. You know that? He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was robbed. He was imprisoned. Everything bad that could happen to a person because of their faith happened to the Apostle Paul, and he stayed true to his faith. Never did we see where he wavered in his faith. Even when he said, you know, he said, all the Satan's buffeting me. He's coming against me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. He never wavered. And he wrote everything he wrote. He lived. He believed. And, man, he was an exemplary Christian. So we know that he was authentic in his faith, right? Not because he wrote the book to the Bible, but because of what he did in his life. How he lived his life. And it says in Acts 19, verse 11, Now God worked unusual, these are really weird miracles, by the hands of who? By, by the hands of Paul. Now who worked the miracles? God did. But he worked them by the, by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons or really what they were called would have been sweatbands were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now that's kind of a phenomenal, wouldn't you say? Some, somebody said, look, I've got, I've got this, Paul sweat on this handkerchief. Here, you, what do you have? I, well, I have leprosy. Here, <laughs> leprosy gone. Because they knew that this man, that Paul, was the authentic, real deal. He had such a personal, intimate relationship with the king that it oozed out of him. Even when he sweat, it oozed out of him. Isn't that amazing? Now, listen, I want to I caution you here. We don't worship anointed rags. We don't, we have this ministry, our intercessors, women, they have a prayer ministry. It's called the prayer covering. How many of you received a blanket or a throw from the, from the, from the women? It's been prayed over. It's been anointed with oil and they give them out and people go, man, I love this. What it is, is a point of contact, but we do not worship the, 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 the blankets, do we? We don't worship the wooden cross. We don't worship a crucifix. God says never to worship anything that can be carved out. Listen, all those are is a reminder or a point of contact because we are to worship 
only the one true living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you cannot, you can't put him in a box. So Paul, he worshiped the king of kings. He had this intimate relationship and fellowship with the king, and it oozed out of him. And people could see it. They could live it. They could, man, they wanted, they, they wanted to be around this man. They wanted just to touch. And remember Jesus, just when he walked through, the woman said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, because it was a point of contact between her and Jesus Christ. Paul is, was the authentic believer in Jesus Christ. He had this real faith. But now I want you to see something. There's a counterfeit faith in the next verse, in verse 13. This is kind of a humorous story. Then some of the itinerant, which means traveling, Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise or drive you out by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Isn't that funny? Thinking about a a traveling exorcism show. I apologize. I got a little nose drip here. I don't know why, but it is. They're itinerant exorcists. I mean, who? Hey, guys, I think we like, let's start an exorcism group. And we're going to go from town to town and drive out demons. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that's good because we, yeah, let's do this. I've heard about this man, Paul. I've been, he- I've been hearing about how he drives out demons. I've heard about Jesus. So let's go do what they're doing. And I've heard that they mentioned Jesus, so let's just mention Jesus. You see, what they had was a secondhand faith. They had a counterfeit faith. They were going on the coattails of somebody else's faith. They did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They just heard about him. And look at the results. It's so funny. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva. Now, Sceva, interestingly enough, it means mind reader. That's what the word means. His name meant mind reader. So we know they were into some really bad stuff. He was a Jewish priest who did so, and the evil spirit answered and said, "Here, okay, they're coming up to, there's somebody, there's demon-possessed, and they're coming up, and they're going to drive out this demon in the name of, the, of Jesus whom Paul preaches, not the Jesus that they knew, okay? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was left on them, no, 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 excuse me, i got to go back, this is the, I can't miss this one. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I don't, who are you? I just, I just, I, I just kind of smile when I think about this demon going, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but man, you guys, I don't know you guys. Matter of fact, you're in trouble. <laughs> they were in trouble. Look what happened. I hope you all are listening. This is PG-13. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was left upon them, he overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Doesn't that make you just laugh? I mean, I, I just have this picture. Uh, Paul? Yeah. Jesus? Yeah. Who are you? Skiva? <laughs> ah! They're running. Ripping their clothes off while they're running. I mean, listen, demons are real. Demons can inhabit people and do bad things. You don't want to mess with demons. As a matter of fact, you want to send them to the dry places, Right? You don't want to have demons hanging out at your house. So this morning, we're going to talk about 
this real faith that Paul had versus this counterfeit faith that Sceva and all his traveling itinerary, itinerary uh, Jewish exorcists had. And they were, do, they were trying to go on this false, this false religion, this false faith, and look at the results. Demons jumped all over them. When Paul was, when Paul was present, even in an apron, even in a handkerchief, the demons would leave. This became known, verse 17, this became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You see, Ephesus was a, was a, was a pagan country, it was a pagan area. The city was very pagan-oriented, a lot of superstition, a lot of magic, a lot of witchcraft was going on. And so when the exorcists came there, they thought, this is ripe ground for us to practice our exorcisms. But they were doing it with a false faith. You see, some of you are walking and doing things, and you're doing things outside of your realm of what you really believe, and what you really know, and about the, the genuine faith that should be in you. You're walking in a counterfeit faith because it's never become real to you. I don't know how many times we baptize people say, you know, I thought I was a Christian, but I never really gave Jesus Christ. I never made him Lord of my life. I was baptized when I was a kid, but he never came in. He never, he never took over my life. He never, there was never a change in my life. And I see people all the time. You watch their lives. And you go, well, where's Jesus in their life? You don't see Jesus in their life because they're not, they're not really, they haven't had that true encounter. Listen, Paul had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. And you know, demons, I think it's interesting that they knew, they knew Jesus and Paul, but they didn't know these guys. You know why? Because these guys weren't a threat to them. The demons know the real believers. Paul's faith resulted in miracles. And the exorcist's faith resulted in them being embarrassed, humiliated in front of everybody. Did you know in James 2, 18, it says that Faith without works is dead. Listen to me. It says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? Hey, that's good. You do well. Even the demons believe. Even the demons believe and what? Tremble. See, I, I used to hear this all the time, and I still hear it occasionally. And maybe some of you have heard. You've asked somebody about their faith. You ever ask anybody about their faith? Anybody Have you ever, have you ever asked anybody about their faith? That's it? You married the guy, you didn't know about his faith? You married the woman, you didn't know about their faith? I've, I've encountered that too. Well, I didn't really want to upset the apple cart, really. I remember, I've, I've asked people about their faith. And you know one of the very first comebacks is, I believe in God. And the demon, you're in good company with the demons. Because the demons believe in God, and they tremble. They don't trust God, they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they know there's a God. And so if your answer to me today is, and what, what reason are you going to get into heaven? Well, I believe in God. Listen, that's not going to get you into heaven. Because Jesus says you've got to believe in him. You've got to believe in the Father through the Son. That's the only way you get there. And so if you're just one of these God believers, higher power believers, or the man upstairs believers, listen, I'm telling you, you're lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I heard that a long time ago. I don't know what that means. A white goose, I guess. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. 
If I were to get up here and tell you the way to salvation is believing in the man upstairs, I would be fearful for my own life. Matter of fact, if you call in the man upstairs, let me ask you, just repent of that. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Don't give some slang reference to him. Oh, he's, he's cool. He's, he's, you know, he's the big chief. Whatever. No, he's the king. He's the lord of all. It's like when guys, I would be, I've heard guys call their wives their old ladies. And, man, I want to just slap them. Or women calling their husbands old man. It's wrong, guys. You want to declare, you want to speak the words of life out of your mouth, and you call your wife your old lady, and then when you, as you get older, you wonder why she got old? Because you spoke it over her. She gets older before her time because you actually declare that over her. Man, respect them. Call her your bride. Let her stay young, you know? The woman of your life, the love of your life. But don't call your old lady. And women, don't call your husband's old man. Man, I don't want to be old. Do you? I like to get older, but I don't, you know. Edify. Build each other up. So we've seen real faith. We've seen real counterfeit, the counterfeit faith. Now I want us to talk about how real faith develops into and in, in becomes real repentance. And it's going to get a little heavier here in, in a minute. This is what I'm asking you to get your kids to kind of pay attention. Verse 18, and many who believed, many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. In today's economy, that 50,000 pieces of silver would be from $1 to $5 million. You see one... When they saw the authentic, when they saw Paul operating in his authentic faith, they saw the demons leave, they, they saw people getting healed, signs and wonders, and then they saw the, the fake, where they saw the counterfeit of Sceva and his sons and all the, the Jewish exorcists, and they saw what the demons would do to them, they woke up. And they confessed. Listen, look what it says. They, can, they believed and they confessed. That's how you come to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You believe and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And they came believing and confessing and telling them. Listen, they were confessing their sins to one another. And they began to do something really radical. They brought all of their magic books. All those who had practiced magic, they brought their books together and burned them. They didn't sell them at a garage sale. They didn't put them on eBay. They took what was evil and they destroyed it. You see, faith without works is dead. They had a faith and their faith developed into this work of, I've got to get rid of some things in my life. They had a change of heart. They had a renewed mind, and they followed it up with action. See, they probably thought up until this time that all their magic books were cool because that was their culture. That's what they believed, right? And some of you think witchcraft is okay. Now, you may not say it out loud, but you're practicing witchcraft. Uh, I just went over the crowd. Some of you, when you leave here today, I I promise you some of you need probably all of us, not but many of you need to go home and do a house cleaning. And I'm not talking about a vacuum cleaner and a broom, which might be okay too. Because where there is filth, I mean, the enemy breeds in filth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I saw some elbows. 
But I'm talking about a spiritual house cleaning. And the spiritual house cleaning can look really physical. Because some of you have got things in your home that are, are you, that you're participating in or you're allowing your children to participate in that are ungodly, that are unholy alliances with the demonic. Some of you have games, video games that ought to be out of your house, that ought to be destroyed. Some of you have statues that you put up in your house and you think it's great. It's, it's just, oh, it's just a cultural thing. It's just a Buddha. He's a, just a doorstop. And you've got statues, you've got videos, you've, you've got things on your computer that you, no person should be able to see. No files should be in your computer that dishonor and, dis, and, and, and dis slander the name of God. Some of you have got movies, you've got a collection of movies. I've been into homes where they've got so many movies and, and it's just unbelievable when we've gone to do house cleans, spiritual house cleans. I know this is popular, y'all are just getting so excited. Some of you have books in your homes that shouldn't be in your homes. And by all the things that you allow in your house, you know what you've done? You've opened a door to the enemy. You invited witchcraft into your home. Ah, oh, pastor, you just didn't a little bit too. You're going a little too far with that. I had somebody come up after the first service. I had a lot of people come up to me. <laughs> but it was all positive. My little pony. Somebody said, My Little Pony. They began, they watched a movie, My Little Pony. They could not believe all the, the, the demonic stuff in it. I thought, My Little Pony? Huh. I never heard of My Little Pony. I've heard of Strawberry Shortcake. <laughs> and, and Blue and Dora the Explorer, you know. I've heard of some of those things. But I want to, I want to tell you something. Some of y'all, y'all, y'all think this is child's play. You think it's just silly for me to mention this. But some of you, man, you love Harry Potter. You've read all the books. Did you know I was studying on Harry Potter this week to prepare for this sermon? And there's a lady that teaches in London. She's a school teacher in London. And a, and a child, she's a Christian. And a child came and brought her a Harry Potter book. And for her reading, she wanted to read Harry Potter. And, the, and that Christian school teacher says, I do not want to participate with witchcraft in this school. And you know what happened to that teacher? She got fired. Because they chose Harry Potter and witchcraft over her Christian beliefs. You think things are not changing in our world, in our society? You better wake up. Oh, Harry Potter's innocent. I want to show you a video that's had over 57,000 views of a young girl teaching people how to cast spells. Watch it, kids. Hi, it's another video by me. I stopped doing my weekly videos because they weren't getting weekly. enough views. Um, so I'm hoping this will get more. Um, I little information about myself. I love Harry Potter a lot. And so I'm here to teach you your first, second, third, fifth, sixth, and seventh year spells, including some others. Um, reason why I do not have fourth is because it's mixed in with third a little bit. Uh, these are all the things that you'd learn in the real school of Hogwarts, and sometimes they will have you practice them over again or teach them again. So if you hear a double spell, don't worry about it. Um... But I'm here to teach you the first year right now. There will be seven other videos, one per year, except I guess there will be five other because there will be a total of six. No, there will be a total of seven, so there will be six others. Um, the first year spells you're going to start with, uh, first one you really want to know is Asio. I just said that wrong. Accio. Accio is a summoning charm. It summons a specific object to the wand uh, bearer. So, Accio, name of object. 
so I'm not going to really perform these spells because that could be very dangerous and I could bring the things in my house. And it's against, uh, it can be against the rules if I'm in, living in a muggle world. Did y'all hear her? She said, I do this weekly. 57,000 views. I want to teach you how to cast spells. And she goes on. That's an eight-minute video. I just got about a minute and a half of it. It's an eight-minute video. And she goes on to say, uh, you shouldn't do these, but then she teaches you how to do them. That's somebody's kid. That's some parent's child that is standing in front of a camera. You know her parents know that she's doing this. Did you know that there's an agenda behind these things? You may think it's innocent, but it is not. The enemy has an agenda. And guess who he's going to go after? He's going to go after our children, the next generation. But if you're not willing to take a stand and clean some things out of your house and forbid your your children to do certain things, listen, it'll just keep growing and growing and growing. Wouldn't you rather that little girl get up and say, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about some things he's done in my life. And I want to today, this is my first week, but I want to share some things about Jesus. You'd probably get about five views. But 57,000 plus views about casting spells. I'm telling you, we have an enemy. And if you don't recognize we have an enemy, then you've stuck your head in the sand. And you better get it out. Moms and dads, you better get it out. Just a few weeks ago when we were wrapping up life groups, we had a life group, and some of you have heard this testimony. We came to the life group, and there was a couple there. They said, our son is really having a hard time sleeping. And so, and there was prayer requests, so we put him in the prayer chair, and he and his wife, and my wife had a word of knowledge. Never thought of it before or since then. She just said, that's just word he keeps coming to me, Pokemon. And the dad looked up like, wow, Pokemon? Really? He said, you're not going to believe this. I came home from work today. I walked into my child's room, and he was playing with Pokemon cards that I didn't even know he had. You know what Pokemon means? Anybody know what it means? Pocket monster. You don't think there's an agenda behind Pokemon. Now it's Pokemania, right? People are just walking around getting hit by cars because they're looking for a monster. I mean, the enemy has got, he's captured people's minds. And listen, even, even if, you're a, if you're just a counterfeit Christian, you're not going to know this. You're going to fall for it. You may have already fallen for it. You may be here this morning and go, well, I feel a lot, of, a lot of, man, this is heavy. And if it's heavy, then you need to repent. You need to change some things in your lifestyle. And I'm talking to moms and dads more than I'm talking to the kids because moms and dads are the ones that allow it. I remember coming home one day. And I was looking, I was going to Wes's room for something. This one, he was a teenager. And uh, guess what? He wasn't perfect. Y'all probably didn't know that. Went into his room one, one day, and I saw one of his CDs laying out on top of his desk. I didn't ever snoop and look for, try to find things, you know, and try to catch them and stuff. And I saw a CD, and I saw, this is when those parent advisory things started coming out on the CDs. Y'all remember those? Or oh, they're, they're now on, I guess, everybody's CD. The kids, the music they listen to. And I saw that parental advisory and I thought, why's that got that on there? Popped it in the CD player. Yeah, whoops. Whoops, Wes. <laughs> Man, I never heard such language in the calling it entertainment. And it was, it was vile language. I said, 
You listen to this stuff? Yeah, Daddy, everybody listen to it. And you're not listening to it anymore in my house. And I had to break it up, tear them up. I didn't sell it in a garage sale. I had to get rid of it. There's some things you need to get rid of, church. It might cost you some money. It may cost you a few pieces of silver. I promise you it's worth it. Some of you need to do a house cleaning. And I'm not talking about next week. I'm talking about today. I have been in homes. So they say there's demonic activity. You can ask some people that have been with me, my wife and some other people. We've been into homes where they say, man, we've seen demons in our house. There's red, light, red eyes up in the corner. Things are moving. Things are shaking. And I walk in. I say, the first thing I say, let me see your collection of movies. Some of you are just going to, I know you're going to throw stuff at me, so I'm going to get behind this. I said, let me see your movies. <laughs> so I go look at their collection of movies, and it's horror movies and zombie movies. and Oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, Pastor. Yeah, really? And what's going on in your house? And they're obsessed with it. And they're wondering why things are not in order in their household. Get rid of it. There's some good things that you can watch that you can put in your eye gate, your ear gate. They will bless and edify and glorify God. This stuff is trash, and it's trash in your home. Oh, but I really do love that. Well, that's what that little girl said. I really do love Harry Potter. Let me show you how to cast a spell to make things move in the house. She said she could actually summon her homework. Yeah, kids are going to look at that and go, that is cool. That's not cool. I went to one guy's house one time. They were having all sorts of problems. And I walked in, and it looked like, it looked like, um, trying to think of somebody really weird and Halloweenish kind of person. It, It looked like somebody from the Halloween store was called in to do their home decorating. I thought, oh, this looks good. This skull looks great with this bedspread. I said, what do you got? And they had one of, they had one of those that had a, uh, like a headstone and rest in peace on their wall. I said, what is wrong with you people? You're just displaying death in your house. Get rid of it. I don't know if they did or not. But I'm telling you, when you walk in, you see things like that. There was a guy. I got to tell you this one more, one more. I don't have my watch on, so we're good. <laughs> I've got a clock back there. I was at Concho Manor one time. And I was walking down the hall of Consumander. We were going to go eat at the restaurant there. I saw a guy that used to go to our church, and he was, he, was, he was going to our church at the time. He stepped out and said, hey, pastor, how you doing? I said, hey, how's it going, man? He said, Can you, I want you to see my apartment. He said, I've, I've been living here, and I just want you to see my apartment. I said, okay. I walked in his apartment, and I said, how you like it here? He said, well, it's, it's really good, but I just don't sleep good here. I said, you don't sleep good? He said, no, man, I, I just really, this just trouble. Every night there's something wrong, you know, bad dreams and all this. I said, well, you see that thing on your wall? You might want to get rid of that. He said, what? That dream catcher? Yeah, that dream catcher. You know what a dream? How many of you know what a dream catcher is? Raise your hands. Wow. I didn't know that many people knew what a dream catcher was. Did you know they're in all these stores now? You walk in these stores and they're like, oh, man, that'll look good in my bedroom. And you think it's innocent? You think it's just, oh, nothing to it? You know what a dream, you know where they come from? Listen, let me tell you where dream catchers come from. It was from a pagan Indian tribe. There was an ancient, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name, I butchered it the first service. But they had an ancient legend about the origin of the dream catcher. Storytellers speak of the spider woman known as 
Asa Bekashi. She took care of the children and the people of the land, and eventually this tribe spread to all the corners of North America, and it became so difficult for Ashikabashi to get to everybody. So the mothers and the grandmothers, I love it, mothers and grandmothers, let's get together and let's weave some magical wells for the children. So they used willow hoops and sinew or cordage and made and they made from plants and they put these, they made these dream catchers so they could pass them out to all the children, you know. So here's the thing. They 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 gave them these so they would filter out all the bad dreams and only allow the good thoughts to enter their mind. Doesn't that sound good? Oh, that just sounds so sweet. Here's a dream catcher from a pagan tribe. And it'll filter out all your bad dreams. Bull-loney. You're just inviting witchcraft into your home when you participate with these things. And listen, I'm not going to cover them all. Listen, there, there are tons of them. But you will know when you go in, is that of God or is that not of God? Is that something that edifies and builds me up or is that something that tears me down? Is this something that will give my kids good dreams tonight or is it something that will give them nightmares? I only tell you this because I love you. And I've had to do a house cleaning myself, and there was stuff in our house that we had to get rid of. And again, do not sell it at garage sales. <laughs> James 2, the rest of that James I read earlier about, even the demons believe and tremble, says this, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. See, what you have in our homes, in our Christian homes, especially the ones that are not not really sold out to Jesus, we have a mixing. Mixing. What happens when you take the truth and you add some lie to it? What does the truth become? A lie. It's called mixing. And we have that taking place in our homes because people are just ignorant of the truth or because they know the truth, but they really want to hang on to their old habits. They want to hang on to their old stuff. And then they wonder why things are not right, why their house isn't in order. Now, the last verse I want us to look at is Acts 19, verse 20. I love this. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and what? Say what? Ooh, you're going to like what prevailed means. Went back and looked at it in the Greek. See, because of all the things that had happened, okay, you have to go in order. You have to see this in the context of it. Because uh, of the miracles and signs and wonders done by the authentic Christian, by the, the, the torment, all things that were brought upon the, those that weren't authentic, that only believed in the Jesus that Paul knew. They didn't really believe in Jesus themselves because of that and that. And then because of the people repenting and bringing all their magic books and burning them and confessing and believing, then the word of God, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. It's just going to happen. But here's, the word, here's what prevail means in the Greek. I'm not going to tell you the Greek word because I could not pronounce it. It's a tough one, okay? But you don't need to know that anyway. The word in the Greek, prevail, means this, to become a force. Is that good? The word of God grew mightily and became a force. Listen, when you start walking with the Lord, when authentic faith takes you over, and you begin to seek him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the word of God, it will grow mightily in your home. And it will grow so mightily that you want to get rid of the other stuff. That's what happened to these guys. The word of the Lord grew so mightily, they said, we got to get rid of all the magic books. No way, no. The word of God, great. And so the word, listen, the only way it's going to be a force in your home, moms and dads, 
heads of homes. The only way the word of God is going to be a force in your home is when you enforce it. You want to hear that again? The only way the word of God is going to become a force in your home is when you, mom and dad, begin to enforce the word. It cannot be a byline. It can't be a a once in a while thing. It's got to be an everyday thing. You write it on the doorpost of the house. You write it and you write it. You put it everywhere. You speak it all the time. That's why we dedicate children. We say, are you willing to do this? Are you willing to make the the Lord, his word mighty in your home and enforce the word in your home? That's what you're committing to do when you say, I commit my life to bring my children to Christ at a young age. You're willing to enforce it. Become the enforcer of the word in your home. Become the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the word in your home. Okay? Amen? Amen. Thank you for that response. The last thing I want to share with you is from John 17. We're going to skip on down, okay? So we can wrap it up. In John 17, Jesus wanted us to know before he went to the cross, he wanted his disciples, he prayed to his father for his disciples, and he prayed for other believers. And this is how he said we we have eternal life. It's in John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you. This is Jesus praying that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He wants you to know him. But listen to what he says here. The only way you're going to know him is to know the son. You can't just know God. You've got to know the son. You can't get to heaven except through the son. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the father except through me, the son. So if if your faith is depending upon I know God, but you don't know Jesus, then you have a false faith. And then in 17, John 17, 20, he says, this is the reason that he's put this within us. He says, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. He's talking about future believers. He's talking about us right there. That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. And here's the reason. Here's the repentance. Here's the, the faith. And this is the works part. That the world may believe that you sent me. I love that. You see, he lives in us so they can see Jesus in us. Do people see Jesus in you? When they talk about you, do they see Jesus? Do your children see Jesus in you? I'm going to close with a story I was reading this week. True story. This happened many years ago. But there were some businessmen. They were in Chicago. They had a big business meeting. And it was a holiday. And, man, they had to get back home. Their their flight, they were just barely going to get to the airport on time. And have you ever run through an airport before? Man, these guys, there was like four or five of these guys, and they were running through the airport trying to get to their flight so they would be home with their families for the holidays. And so as they're running through the, running through the, the terminal, there's a young girl there, and she has a cart, and she's blind, and she's selling apples to make some money. And as they're running through, they run. One of the guys hits the cart of apples, and the apples go everywhere. And the guys just keep running because, man, if we don't get there, we're going to miss our flight. We're going to miss our families. And they get, to, they get to the where they checked in. And the one, one guy out of the whole group said, guys, you go ahead, call my wife, tell, me, tell her I'll be late. And he went back. He turned around and went back, and he began to pick up the apples. Nobody else was helping her. Here's a blind girl trying to pick up apples in an airport that's crowded, and he starts picking up all the apples he can, putting them back in her box, in her cart. 
And for all the ones that were bruised or, 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 or mangled or somebody had stepped on, he set them aside. He said, he said, honey, here's $20 to pay for the apples that we knocked over for the ones that are bad. And he said, I just want you to know I'm so sorry. And she looked at him. Though she couldn't see him, she, she, her face went right to his face. And she said, sir, are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? That's what I want to hear. That's what we should all want to hear when somebody else is in need and we come to their aid and we come and we bring hope and we bring joy when we bring life into their situation because we have this intimate, personal relationship with the king that they would say, oh, you Jesus. Well, I'm just his ambassador. I represent him. And he would be really glad to know that you saw Jesus in me. Because that's who he's called us to be, church. But if you're just faking it until you make it, listen, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. The only way you can make it is through a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you stand this morning? Could we have the ministry team come to the front? Y'all have been so good today. The kids have been great. Wow, they paid attention. I remember a pastor used to say this. He said, you know, he wasn't afraid of offending anybody. He said, what am I going to do, offend them into hell number one or hell number two? <laughs> he, said, I, he said, if it's offensive to them, I want to defend them into the kingdom. I want them to take it and go, wow, all right, let me think about that. Let me pray about that and make them come to a place of repentance. I mean, I had to do that one time in my life. I had to say all the time, I I've never, don't believe that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try. I had to come to the place of God, you're real. Jesus, you're real. And you really want me to have a relationship with you. And I had to come to the place where I surrendered my life to Christ. And it wasn't just about surrendering my life so I could go to heaven. It was surrendering my life so I could be a force in the kingdom. And that force is the word of God in us. And some of you here this morning, I don't, I don't know all of you. There's so many new people here. I'm, somebody I was walking, somebody at the back earlier this, this, before the service started said, man, I'm impressed how many names you know. I said, man, you wouldn't, wouldn't be impressed in how many names I don't know. <laughs> And I've, I've met people, and I said, have I met you before? They, yeah, three weeks ago. <laughs> I apologize, but I'm, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that we're growing and God's bringing you here. There was a couple this morning that came in. I just, this was shared after the first service, too. Go ahead, Jeff. Come on up and play. I'm not like John. I like music, so it's cool. There was a couple that was at the end of their rope this morning. Anybody ever been at the end of your rope? They, were, they thought their marriage was over. They were about to just throw it all away. And they got up this morning. They said, we got to go to church somewhere. We've got to find a place. And you know what they did? It's kind of like a fleece kind of thing. The first thing they saw when they got outside was the Freedom Fellowship van. And they said, that's where we got to go. Sign in a wonder. Sign on the side of a van, right? I wonder where they are going. <laughs> Follow that van. 
And they came here this morning and began to have their life restored. At the end of the service, I gave the invitation. They made a beeline up here for Chloe and Carol. And Chloe and Carol, guess what they do? Man, they love to pray for marriages. And they got to pray with them. And Carol said, we're going to follow up with them. I can tell you there was a day when I know Carol didn't have that genuine faith like he has now. But all of us were that way at, at that place at one time or the other. How many of you, because I'll be the first one to raise my hand, how many of you could fake it pretty good as being a Christian? Because I was really good at it. I knew all the right lingo on Sunday, and I could, I could talk Jesus with the best of them. But Monday and through Saturday, I was not so good at it. I could talk the other language. Because it wasn't authentic. It never had become real to me. So that's the challenge this morning. If Jesus has never become real to you before and changed your life, I don't care how many times you've walked in aisle, how many times you've been in a baptistry. I don't care if that doesn't matter. What matters is that you know him intimately and personally today. Today's the day of salvation. If he's calling you this morning, if he's putting that in your heart, I'm praying that you will come. Some of you raised your hands last week, said you're giving your life to Christ. Listen, we had very few people follow up and say, I really did it and fill out a form so we could follow through with you. Maybe that was you last week and God started working you then, but today you wouldn't want to make that a really... Uh, uh, public, make it a public confession of your faith. I can't believe a, a more public confession than the people of Ephesus saying, "Let's get our, let's get all our stuff together and let's go burn it in the city." Man, that's public, isn't it? They're bold about their faith. Are you bold about your faith this morning? Would you bow your heads just quickly? Lord, I thank you for every person here. Those that are authentic, that have a r- relationship with you, that's real, that's changed their life, and I thank you for those that are here this morning that are searching. They wouldn't be here if they weren't searching for you. And Lord, today would be that day that they have stepped into that personal, awesome walk with Jesus Christ the King. That they would know the God the Father through Jesus the Son today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Some of you.